0: This episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast is brought to you by Tudor Collegiate Strategies. For nearly two decades, athletic departments and coaches have relied on Dan Tudor and his team to create winning recruiting plans, tell effective stories to their prospects, and help get the commitments from the recruits they really want. Bring us in to lead a live recruiting workshop on your campus this year, or talk to us about working one-on-one with you as a client. Visit dantudor.com after the show for all the ways we've been helping to build winning programs and successful college coaching careers and now it's time for the show that's right it's time for today's episode of the college recruiting weekly podcast with your host failed r&b singer and america's recruiting guru dan tudor
1: hey coach great to be with you today excited to talk to you and happy anniversary that's right uh it's about the one year anniversary of of NIL, name, image, likeness, and its impact on college athletics. And I think what many of you are finding, no matter if you're a big-time Division I coach that listens or you're a newer Division Three coach or somewhere in between that, what you're seeing is that it's having a wide-ranging impact in recruiting college athletics, no matter what division level, no matter what sport. And that's the interesting thing that we are going to be talking about today. With Matt Brown, he is the writer and founder of Extra Points. It's a fantastic uh, news site that gets into the depths of college athletics, and he does a great job at it. And we will give all his contact information in the show notes. Easy way to follow him is on Twitter at Matt Brown EP for Extra Points. You can look him up on Twitter. Uh, great if you want to sort of keep in the know about some of the little things that go on that impact you in a big way as a college coach. And he had a very interesting article not long ago on NIL and its impact and and just what exactly was it meaning when it, the nuts and bolts, when the rubber meets the road for college coaches and their programs. And the article was fantastic. Again, it'll be something else that we link to in the show notes here on the podcast we wanted to talk to him about it. And we did. And it was a great conversation. I think you're going to come away learning things that you didn't know about NIL. And hopefully you get an idea of maybe how to make this all work for you moving forward into the future as it takes uh, more of a a, a stable form. And we sort of see some trends developing. And that's what Matt and I talked about. That's what the conversation is about. Let's get right to it.
0: You know I, I can understand why a lot of coaches and athletic directors would look at these last several months particularly with about nil with some trepidation or, or concern and certainly there's been a lot of changes but if i look at the last six months just in terms of the biggest changes i i still really think they're they're a net positive i look at now the ability particularly for olympic sport athletes to use name image and likeness to build professional connections and their network In a way that i think would be more challenging to do beforehand is is a big positive you know if if i'm looking at a volleyball athlete or a track athlete or a soccer player who might not be able to do an internship who might not be able to study abroad or, or or have some of this business education um just based on the demands of their sport now they have an opportunity to go out and learn about entrepreneurship to learn about marketing to learn about financial planning and also build some of these connections independent of their sports information department I think that that's the, the real big benefit at the end of the day is, is going to be educational. I honest to God believe that for the bulk of college athletes, even though it's easy for us to focus on the million-dollar quarterback in the SEC. Those are going to exist, but I don't think that's the, 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 the median use case across all of college sports.
1: And I, when NIL was being proposed, talked about, and then finally implemented, there were a lot of the theories bantied about as to the horrors that it was going to cause and the, the conflicts of interest and the, you know, the shadiness potentially behind deals. To what extent has that transpired just as you've studied it and tracked it in your journalistic efforts around college athletics? Uh, have any of those nightmare scenarios come true? Uh, you know, I, I, I think,
0: On on some level, some of that stuff has happened, but it's hard for me to look at NIL as as necessarily the culprit. I think that's just the vehicle for some of the same kind of conversations that have been happening for really a hundred years. Like I, I, I try to look at recruiting and this whole industry as realistically as I possibly can. And people have been receiving financial inducements to go play sports somewhere since 1905, since 1903. And and certainly in big markets in the SEC and the Big Ten, uh, where there's a lot more commercial interest, unquestionably, those things are happening. And I think unquestionably, Uh, some athletes are going to find out that uh, maybe some of the advice they got from their, their uncles or their AAU coaches or people in their sphere was not on the up and up. And I look at, I think at least a couple of these deals from companies that I don't know are going to be there in 18 months. So those things, yes, have happened. And I think anytime there's, we have any kind of infrastructure change in the sport, you're going to have good actors rush in and you're going to have bad actors rush in. I, I, I still believe that the positive aspects have outweighed some of the negative ones and I, I, it's hard for me to imagine that like the negative ones wouldn't be there if we didn't have NIL. Like I think Jimbo Fisher said this uh, pretty succinctly and accurately recently when he said, you know, we've always been doing NIL deals. We just called them something else and maybe we didn't talk about them in, in press conferences, right? Like that, right. those influences and that part of talent acquisition, that's always been there. Now we just have an
1: LLC for it. I asked you about maybe some of the biggest changes as we started the conversation that you've seen over the last year. Um, what have you seen as some of the 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 bright spots or the 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 unexpected benefits of it maybe for an athlete um, or even for a department and for a school? like where 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 has this flourished and gone well? What are some examples that you should sure.
0: You know, I, in fact, I can give an example for one that I've done myself uh, because I actually signed a couple of these NIL deals in the beginning to help promote extra points. And part mm-hmm. of that is because as a business, I have a lot of readers who are ADs and and some who are coaches, but a lot of people in the industry. But I don't have as many college students or athletes. So I figured, well, you know, who's better to talk to a bunch of college students than a college student rather than, you know, boring mid-30s dad, right? So I I signed, you know, nine of these and and did that also so I could better understand the nuts and bolts of this process. And I remember the most commercially successful one of these that I've done was with a young woman named Hannah Barber, who was a, a guard for the Alabama women's basketball team. And Hannah was just so impressive. And I, somebody who came in, won and she negotiated her deal. Like she had a counter proposal to what I had suggested <laughs> and, and taught me some things about Instagram influencing that I didn't know. And, you know, she told me, hey, you know, I, I might be able to play professional basketball in Europe or somewhere else for a few years after graduation, but probably not going to have a 12 year WNBA career. But when I'm finished, I, I think I'd like to be an athletic director. I'd like to work in athletic administration. I'd like to work in college sports. I'm the kind of person that, Reach your product anyway, and she was a really authentic advocate and and uh, you know for 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 the publication. And I told her, hey, listen, you know, I, I mean, I'm only paying for a couple of Instagram posts here. When your season's done, you want to be an athletic director. I know lots of athletic directors. Let me go book an introduction for you. Let me know if if I've, I've talked to other athletes who say, you know, maybe I'd like to work for Under Armour. Well, great. I right. we have people who in my, in my community who work at Under Armour, let's, let's book an introduction. So I look at some of these and I've seen this with people in financial services. I've seen this with people who want to work in advertising. One of the great things is that the benefit isn't just 150 bucks or 500 bucks. It's this chance for the athlete to professionally network and understand mm-hmm. how different industries work, how to sell themselves, how to evaluate whether a pro- a, a campaign has been successful. And that's really practical business entrepreneurship education and we talk about college sports and maybe i'm uh an idealist but i still really believe this that part of the point for across you know not just again not just sec football but sure. this whole enterprise we're trying to holistically build and develop young people and i think if you if you come into this with that kind of attitude how can i benefit and grow from this not just from the small check but you know we, we like to say in recruiting that we want athletes to make a 40-year decision and not just a four-year decision I look at what's happening here as something that can really positively impact an athlete uh, for 40 years. And if that happens, that benefits the department and the brand too. Um, It's it's a good thing for Alabama to be able to say, hey, through this, I I can't broker that deal for you, but I can say, here are the business community connections, and here's what our athletes have learned, and we can tell you how to talk to brands to be able to have that similar experience. Honestly, that's exciting to me.
1: Yeah, and so you bring up some things you talked about how – This can be an enterprise wide, you know, throughout college athletics uh, thing, because I think when it first started, uh, I know, look, we have coaches at major college schools that listen to this podcast. We have coaches at smaller schools and ADs all over the place that that do the same. And I think the conversation when this first started, let's say a year ago or so. it was, well, this is going to be for the, the Power Five schools, the football, men's basketball, and I'm just the Division 2 I'm just a, an NAI Division Three school. How are we? I don't know that this is going to apply to us. Well, in a sense, if you're looking at the journalistic world, you're not the New York Times. You're Extra Points and Matt Brown. So you are the Division III in the in the journalistic world right now at yep. this point. And yet you creatively looked at how you could make this connection uh, to, you know, to to take advantage of this. So so leading up to that, that was the lead up question. My question to you is, have you seen good examples of schools that are not power fives, not division one football, division one men's basketball, take advantage of NIL? um, Where before maybe they didn't either um, didn't know how to do it, didn't think they could do it. But are those, are, do you see or hear stories about those emerging, that those are those are being done at some of the mid and lower level schools as well as the D1s?
0: It is a great question. And you know, honestly, I'm glad that you kind of used me as an example, because I, I, I think the success of my business is honestly proof that uh, this kind of marketing and these kind of deals can work for, for, right. for mid and low majors. And, and that's actually the majority of who I talk to for my business. So, you know, I, one of the examples that I give to people about, I think, a school that has done NIL really well is BYU. And it's not just because BYU, uh, you know, was able to, to set up a situation here with Built Bar where all of their football walk-ons have a deal. And now they have something really across, I think, all of their non-scholarship women athletes. Well, one of the first things that BYU did that I think is so smart is they said, we're going to create a partnership with the Salt Lake City Chamber of Commerce. And I, I think it was the, the they called the Silicon Slopes. Um, which is like the the tech advo- advocacy group around uh, Utah County and, 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 uh, and, Salt Lake, and Salt Lake County um, to, to to build professional networks between their athletes and people within their business community. They're not brokering a deal, but it's saying like, hey, listen, we got Adobe down the street. We have Google. We have Goldman. Let's 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 get you guys talking with each other. And, and that's something that you don't have to be Alabama or Ohio State to do like you can you. There's no reason why. Uh, a, a school in the big South can't potentially have some of the, whether it's the tourism board or the, the chamber of commerce right. that the, what I will say, and this has been almost to a man or woman when I've talked to 80s over the last couple of months it, it is, you know, we're just understaffed. And if my mm. compliance team is two people and some GA's and I have one and a half SIDs and there's nobody on my, none of my athletes have an Instagram following above 20,000. I don't feel like I have the capacity to give them really direct, built-up education. Right now, everybody's basically doing two jobs and doing laundry at the same time.
1: Right. So right. when I've
0: talked to people at some of these, these mid and low majors or D2s, mm-hmm. it's basically been, all right, we have an account with Influencer so we or, or some other companies, so we have our compliance paperwork. Don't do a deal with the gambling company. Don't do a deal with the pornography company. Please don't embarrass us. Everything else you want to do, go with God. And some, a couple of very enterprising athletes have done some, you know, have gone out and done some things, and, and others are just getting some merch. So when I hear that, the first thing I tell people, and and, and I'll, this goes to anyone listening to this podcast too, yeah. I will talk to your athletes completely for free. Like I am, I'm, I, this is an ideological thing for me. I'm, I, I will not recommend any services. I won't broker a deal, but I'll say this is what you need to think about how to price yourself. This is how you sign up for a marketplace. Here is if you want to go get a deal, you can, because whether you're at Ohio State or Ohio University or my hometown, Denison University in Granville, Ohio, where I grew up, Division three school, anybody that wants a $200 deal can get one. If you want more than that, you have to treat it like a job. And then you have to decide to yourself, is that worth the time away from academics or my social life or my sport or any things? And that's going to be different from athlete to athlete. But getting a deal, these are all things that you can do. And if you don't have the institutional capacity as a department to help people with that, I would encourage you to to look out and see what uh, third parties, not not just corporate brands, but business leaders or alumni or other people that could come in and fill those gaps. And I wouldn't expect that to happen immediately, but it's, it's something that I think is attainable at virtually every level in college sports.
1: So you mentioned... Um, the, the lack of capacity for some departments and look some bigger departments too just don't sure. know where to go and what to do and how to set up some of these these things that uh, you mentioned that um, in one example be why you did yeah so uh, so there are outside companies that of course will partner a contract with an athletic department to set up those relationships to kind of manage those to try to um, to try to um, you know, maximize the the athlete's ability to monetize themselves and we won't get into the names or recommendations. There's some big ones and anybody who has followed the space or is familiar with NIL, you know, knows, knows those names. So my question is, are those, have those been a good thing? Are those companies, organizations that will do that? Has that been a good thing for NIL? uh in, in from an athlete standpoint and from a from a uh, department standpoint and i guess my, my secondary question is what is the alternative if an athletic department just doesn't want to do that doesn't want to you know just for whatever reason doesn't want to partner with that can have you seen them start up on their own and 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 you know do some of those those creative things like like byu
0: yeah i know I, i've seen a couple of schools decide hey listen um, no, but it's very difficult. I think for anybody to pitch themselves as an NIL expert, because this is new, right. I I would not use that, that, uh, that label for myself. And I'm, I think I'm somebody that studied this quite a bit. Um, and, you know, what we can say is we can, we can share best practices from what we've learned over the past couple of months. And we can share best practices about marketing and entrepreneurship and social media generally. And, you know, influencer marketing has been around for a little while. But this industry has changed a lot. There's still a ton of regulatory uncertainty. So I, I, I get a little concerned when a, a company starts up and says, like, we are experts in this space and we can definitely solve all of your problems for you. Like, I don't think any of these, the companies are bad or like are burned by bad people or anything, but um, we're all kind of flying a little bit blind. Mm-hmm. So if I was an AD and I had a certain amount of money to allocate for this, like I, I would or, or a coach for that matter. I would think, like, do, you know, does it make sense for me to spend some money on a compliance solution? And the answer for that may, may be yes to have somebody automatically report contracts and and uh, you know send that information depending on what your state law might be. But you're also a university, and if you're a school that has a business school or that 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 has a, a communication school that that's 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 strong, you probably have more subject matter expertise on campus than I think you do elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So I think a reoccurring theme of my publication is that I am begging everybody, ads, coaches, athletes, schools, to do a better job of talking to each other. Because one, I, they're just very broadly speaking, I think the academic side often doesn't totally understand what happens with athletics or has misconceptions about how that works and and value that they bring or, or don't bring. Um, and also, I think sometimes athletics does that too. You know, hey. The chances are nobody knows more about uh, visual production or about uh, pricing or about CPM or some of these things than people that are already on your campus. And so I've seen Tennessee, I've seen Arkansas, I've seen a couple other schools. TCU, I believe, have said, all right, we're partnering with our business school. we're gonna we're gonna have those professors come in and share information. We might even build courses around it and give course credit. I think it's awesome. I love it. I think I think I think you you should use the resources um, that that you have. Uh, and the, 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 the drawback though, is of course that that takes, that takes time, right? That takes institutional energy. It's the same thing, even with like with multimedia rights, a school could theoretically make more money selling their own ads, selling their managing their own websites, selling their own billboards, but you need more than just two 24 year olds at a phone book to make that happen. And so it might be easier to go work with Van Wagner or Learfield or somebody else and give you guaranteed money. So I, I think if you are a school that was operating uh, against a time crunch or our resource crunch it sure, it might have been easier to outsource some of those things. I would encourage them now we have a chance to breathe a little bit right maybe think about what what you have on campus already right
1: um, <clears throat> what what have you seen as the big changes in recruiting when it comes to Nil? how has that new um, you know, reality in college athletics affected recruiting, both at the high level as well as the low level, if you have any examples of that. What, yeah. what have been the biggest changes? How have you seen coaches and programs use their NIL offerings to, uh, to, uh, to I'll say, lure more recruits or better recruits? Or, or, or is it too early and we haven't really seen that play out yet and, and able to measure it? I think it's mostly too early.
0: And I I say this with love, but especially on the college football side, I have found that coaches and even sometimes ADs are not um, always the most reliable narrators about what actually ships recruiting. And I understand that because this world is so hyper competitive. And if you feel like your school, the people you're recruiting against have something that's a tiny little bit different than you, you obviously want your school to have the same thing. And I I think that fuels a lot of the facilities construction boom. We have academic research to suggest that that doesn't actually matter. But if you're a coach and you see everybody else is building something fancy, by God, you want that too. And you'll tell your AD and you'll get on Twitter and you'll, you'll leak it to your local 247 guy that you need a new facility and that you're being hurt by that. But at the end of the day, we have some research to suggest that where your school's located, the relationship that that coach has and the assistants have with that athlete, and what kind of what kind of playing time and what kind of path to championships or the are the pros you can deliver those are the things that tend to matter the most. And bells and whistles, money, both above the board and under the board, um, uh, do not on the aggregate matter as much. And I, I I think I've, I've been thinking a lot about this this famous. Uh, in our world, a you know, speech that Gary Patterson gave a couple weeks before he got fired to a, a group of boosters saying, like, listen, you guys run your businesses, you know, kind of between the lines. And now, as now you need to, you know, we, we need to step up here and and not worry as much about compliance. And if we don't step up with NIL, we're going to get left behind. We're going to lose a third of our roster to other people who are going to offer more money. Um, later in that interview, he acknowledges, hey, you know, about a third of my roster doesn't even care about name, image, likeness. And I looked it up. I looked, hey, how many TCU football players have open doors accounts? How many of them are on market price or no cap? And most of them weren't. And most of them that that did weren't especially marketable. Part of that was Gary Patterson's fault. And I, I think we have to recognize that different people are motivated by different things. I don't think you necessarily have to think, if I can't offer... Legally or otherwise, hundred grand in nil deals, we're going to get left behind. You know, if you're TC, if you're Texas A&M football, I understand that's like a different world than college athletics generally. But right. I, if I was a coach, I would just think, what What is it I can tell a, a recruit that our school can offer an education and structure, and we right. can just point to what other people are, are doing? Um, I am skeptical when I hear people say, "This is it, it's it's just uh, or, or it's only about finances," because that part of the equation's always been there, and just like with other jobs, we money isn't always the number one reason why we pick why we pick a job or why we enrolled in a school as an right. undergrad to begin with. Won't yeah. be the case now.
1: Yeah, no, that, that's a great point. That you know, when somebody you talk about work satisfaction or what they want out of a job, usually the top two things are you know recognition and um, you know, and, and then some other intangibles. It doesn't always come down to to money. You yeah. also bring up something interesting, again, going back to that mid-sized, smaller school uh, scenario with NIL that um, I've had Division three athletic directors talk with me about NIL because we wrote some articles and recommendations about, you know, how this is going to pot- potentially positively affect um, smaller schools. And uh, the point that I was making to them is if they can do, maybe this is the version of what you're describing in the past as the BYU doing you know, going to their local chamber of commerce you know, in that small college town that that's, you know, not big outside of the city limits, um, you know, in terms of the, the, uh, the, the reach that an athlete might have, but within that city limits for the local car dealership to put up the billboard with um, the women's basketball team on it. And each one of those players, you know, gets, you know, a small little advertising fee for, for you know, there, them being, you know, on the billboard, if, if you could go to that small, smaller to medium-sized school athlete and say, look, I don't know what everybody else is talking about, but, you know, would you come here, we have this thing with, you know, the the, the auto dealer or the, you know, whatever business, and yeah. you're going to be on there. It's going to be an extra 500 And to the point being that our, our community really cares about our school. You're going to be – it's big time here within our community. You're going to be noticed and valued. Yeah. And you know, so that's not a lot of money, but it kind of goes to the point you were making that that compared with a small or medium-sized school that isn't doing anything, that isn't giving any kind of a story out to that athlete as to why. In this, if we're talking about NIL, if that's one of the boxes that they're checking and comparing other schools, that's a very low bar to clear to beat a competitor potentially. If that's that, that could be the tiebreaker in a lot of a lot of scenarios. But I I, yeah. I don't see a lot of schools. Doing that, and what I hear you saying, just from your observation, your conversations, is that they feel like I just don't have the manpower or expertise, and I don't know where to start. um Fair statement. Yeah,
0: I, I think that is a fair statement, and and I, I think if we want to talk specifically about Division Three, I think there's another component that's that's worth flagging uh, in, in in this world because what what you're describing about you know getting getting an auto dealership to put something up, I can definitely think of some communities where I think you could do that. I think you could. I think that you could do that in Mountain Union. You could do that with with Mary Hart and Baylor. You can you can do that probably with in you know, a Division two with Southern Indiana or a couple other places. But you know, I, I grew up in Ohio, and that's a big Division three state. And a, a lot of those institutions, um, you do not have that kind of community athletic support. So I, I, I but but I, I, there's a, I think a way you can still spin this as an athletic department potentially as a positive. So let's um, think about a school like Case Western Reserve which is you know that's in cleveland that's a division three school it's it's you know decent athletically but it's mostly known as a it's an engineering school of, of summary now it's very it's a very uh, you know academically selective great business school you're down the street from the cleveland clinic um even if case western reserve makes the division three playoffs i would and this is no disrespect to any spartans who might be listening to this like i would say like your visibility throughout greater cleveland is like you're not even in the top ten sure but one of the great things about naming image likeness is that you as an athlete, you are now free to enter commercial relationships, even for things that have nothing to do with, with you being an athlete. So if I'm a Case to, to indulge in maybe a stereotype here, you might not have a an athlete with an Instagram following of 50,000, you might have one with a Twitch following of that much. Uh, people who are really into streaming games, people who are musicians, people who have Etsy shops, people who have followings and in businesses independent of their identity as an athlete. So you might be able to say that a Case, look, am I going to get you a billboard? Uh, of 440 with you and, our, and you know throwing a, a football no i'm, I'm sorry but that, that's probably not that's not why you come here if you want that go to john carroll uh or or go to a mac school but we got a great business school here and if you also love developing or coding or playing ddr or or, or something else we have facilities here that can help develop you and, and help grow that in other ways and you might actually make more money than the person i'm out um, yeah. and, and that might be something for a more academically oriented school. That that you that you help pitch.
1: Right. You're talking about all this, Matt, and the you know, the as you were describing that and going through that scenario, I thought, wow, there's there's probably 80% of coaches and ADs who just heard you say that, they have no idea what twitch is. They have no <laughs> idea. Yeah, you know, even the term what an influencer actually is. And what I see, what is one of the problems? Sort of the if if you go to the NIL 2.0 rollout of you know how how do how do coaches and departments do this better, uh, and, and really start taking advantage of it now that it is a, a, a sort of in the in the landscape part of the fabric, is the athlete comes into the, that student athlete relationship with a college. What we find with freshmen, sophomores, especially is that most of the the vast vast majority aren't going to take the lead in knocking on the AD or the coach's door or anybody in a compliance office say, Hey, I really want to be taking advantage of NIL at your school. How do I do that? They're just not going to do that. They either don't yeah. know how, or they're just, you know, they're shy freshmen. We all remember what we were like at 17 or 18 stepping on yeah. that college campus. We're not going to do that. Huge change. That absolutely. And that combined with a coach or an AD, not knowing some of these little you know, subsects of, uh, of, of, you know, the, the promotional or, or Internet, online yeah. world, sure. that that's the recipe for disaster. That's where there's this gulch in between them that somebody has to figure out how to, how to cross it. Well, it has to be the coach, the AD, the college to set up that relationship. Um, I, I guess my, my question, I don't know if that's more of a statement or an observation, yeah. but, but the question I guess I'll ask for it is, what is the solution if we look at like where do colleges go from here now that nil is a part of this um using some of the examples that you've that you've kind of uh gone over how how do they how does that coach that ad who doesn't really know about twitch um and you know hopefully by now if they're listening to the podcast they as they're listening to it they will have googled what twitch is and so they are starting to they're reading it right now as they're listening to us but um So how do they do it? I think I think they're both they're both parties are saying, I don't know.
0: You're right. And that's why I look at this and say this is an inefficient marketplace and it's going to take some time. So I guess my first thing I would say is if you're an AD, um, you really probably should know what Twitch is at this point. Um, And, you know, talk to one of your junior staffers or give me a call. I'll give you my email here at the end and and not just Twitch, but but uh, other other following niche followings here, too. I think what I would think here, if I'm an AD or a coach, particularly if I'm at a smaller school is I'm thinking I want my teams to be athletically successful and I want my athletes to develop and grow as multifaceted human beings. And I have a business reason for that too, because if they come and they develop lots of different relationships in my community and develop a a, a personal identity, independent of just being an athlete. Well, one, I like my chances of them graduating better, even if they get hurt or if they have a bad experience with athletics. They're going to come back. They're going to be more involved with this university and I can hit them up for fundraising. Like if I want to look at this just from a pure, you know, self-interest thing, but also as a human being. And I think if you're a coach, you like to see people grow and develop and, and, and you want to be a positive influence in their lives. And I would look at this uh, with NIL as, as an extension of that, this, if, if helping people develop as uh full humans will help, will help your program. And so I, I think, I think in, in some of these initial meetings, like that's, I would want to make sure that I am not putting so much on my athletes that they feel like they can't um, have relationships with other clubs or or take academically demanding or, or, or unique coursework or think about developing themselves in other ways. And as a coach, I don't think as a coach, you need to understand um, how video game streaming works or how to sell things on Etsy or the nuts and bolts of those. I think that that will be too much to ask on somebody. But I, I, I think that the ideal world is. I may not know how to help you reach all of those goals, but I can help you find the person who would, particularly right. with, with setting
1: with, up that network, like you talked about earlier. It, it, it,
0: exactly. So at a larger school, that might be literally somebody's job in the athletic department. And I I, I would, if at a smaller school, whether you're at like SIU, uh, you know, Southern Illinois Edwardsville or Eastern Illinois, or I don't know, you know, some directional New Mexico, then it's just like, what am I doing as a department to make sure I'm connected with, other people on campus so i know hey i've got somebody who's into esports well here's our esports team or or here's somebody with that community here's here's our music school here's somebody that's that's knows about about starting a small business and then as so many of these coaches and athletic departments will bring in outside people to talk to their athletes i think you should have people to talk about financial planning you should have people to talk about the law uh or or uh about um personal development or, or maybe exercise science or something But then. You know, somebody who knows the internet really well, I I think is smart too, to to bring in and literally lay some of these things out. You know, if you decide you don't want to go sell a bunch of things online, that's fine. Like you don't have to, chances are you're probably not going to make a ton of money. And there's other ways for you to make money with NIL. You can coach, you Mm -hmm. can, you can go back home to Licking County, Ohio and sell autographs at the Indian Mount Mall to people, right? You can, you can do some of these other things. And um, I, I think a lot of it's just a lack of imagination. Because they they yeah. haven't they haven't a lot of these like communities are are unfamiliar. Yeah. Um, I you know, kind of going back what you, something you mentioned like twenty minutes ago, right? Like I, I've joked about this, but my publication has written way more about UConn football than it has Alabama football. It's not a publication that's going to reach two hundred fifty thousand people every time I publish a newsletter. The, before talking to you, the last thing I did was was writing about Missouri Valley Conference expansion and Division two schools that may end up joining the Ohio Valley. And for me, the thinking is, I don't need to reach a bunch of people. I need to reach a very certain segment of people who are going to be really connected and really invested in what I have to say. And for me, that's athletic department personnel, that's coaches, that's athletes, that's academics, and a word that I say with deep love in my heart, gigantic nerds. Like, there there are people who who don't work in this industry who are going to read about something that uh, Southern Illinois Edwardsville might end up doing. And the cool thing about athletes is that all of them have some of those kind of sub-communities, whether that's people in their own hometowns, people very invested in their Olympic sport, people in their faith community, their ethnic identity, their um, their fraternity, some other kind of thing in there, in there, where they are an expert in that space. And if you go deep in there and you decide to dedicate your time and, and find a way to reach people in that space and build build a community with them, not only can you make a little bit of money, but but you, you can build yourself up professionally. That's the cool right. thing about all of this. And that's what I think we're trying to hope and help athletes and admins and brands and, and athletes understand
1: so two more topics that uh i want to get to before we we round out the conversation that i think are important to both coaches and athletic uh, athletic directors at all levels number one or the, the first thing that i wanted to ask you about uh you have this scenario where nil is happening on on one side of you know, the 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 spectrum in college athletics along with that and so sort of, they're disassociated in a way you have uh, the transfer portal you have and that can be at a small school at a large school we're seeing uh, this quiet crisis on college campus athletic departments arise where man we're seeing this uh, our attrition rates are going way up we're losing kids we're having transfers yeah we're getting some but we're, we're 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 losing an alarming number so i'm wondering have you seen any department do this or any evidence that it could be done where an NIL um, relationship where an athlete feels like they're plugged in, they're getting support for whether that's small dollars, big dollars, or just they see that the department is sort of on their side and being an advocate for, for this new right that they have. Has that affected transfer rates in any way, shape, or form uh, that you've seen? Or again, is it one of those things that's just too early to, uh, to, to really even tell?
0: It's a great question, and I do think it's it's a little early for me to make a really definitive statement. You know What, what I can say is that, although I'm, I'm sure that we'll probably have coaches to give feedback saying, of course this has happened, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it is, there, there's very little NCAA regulation about this, but one of the few rules that, that they do have is an NIL deal cannot be explicitly paid for play, and it cannot be used formally as uh, to induce an athlete to go somewhere else. Right. So right. when you see Charlie Batch get on Twitter saying, I'll pay a million bucks. If Cale Williams transfers to eastern Michigan, well, I, that makes him the world's dumbest criminal because like that is not only does that violate NCAA law, that actually probably violates, if not Michigan state law, uh other other states, other state law, such that you can't right. do that. So
1: well, I, have I seen, yeah, and, and I wasn't yeah. really saying it as an incentive to switch, but more like and, and the athlete the at yeah. school A just doesn't feel like school A is doing anything. There's no opportunity. And they look over at school B and say, I you know, I see some athletes doing some stuff over there. I've heard some stories. Yep. Yeah, I want to go there. So yeah, yeah. that
0: that that could very much be a thing. And I, again, I am I, sure I'm sure there are coaches who are saying that, even if the data doesn't necessarily back that up, or if it's, if it's too early. Right. And I think with the portal, what, what this speaks to, and I understand the frustration here, is that it does require a cultural shift at all levels to continuously recruit your athletes. And we have to remember, and that, I think this is important for me in the media here too. Sometimes we forget this that twenty year olds don't always act super rational. And we like, you know, sometimes we project, I think, our middle aged thinking onto the thinking of a 19, 20, 21 year old. Somebody might be just be looking to transfer because their girlfriend dumped them um, or because they struggled in one class or because being 20 is really hard. Um, it doesn't, it isn't always just because somebody is offering me a briefcase full of money uh, to, to go somewhere else. Although I'm, I'm sure that that does happen. So those are regular conversations that all coaches have to have about being supported and welcomed. And this aligned with your goals athletically spiritually academically financially maybe part of that for for somebody that that's in there for sure
1: the last the, the, the last thing i wanted to bring up is something actually that you mentioned you're starting to look into or starting to track moving forward which is again why um uh why i think people and coaches ad's especially should read your your column and uh, in the newsletter and the articles you put out which is the with NIL and just IRS oversight, the the growing IRS question about how does stuff get reported? What is the impact to a student-athlete? Are colleges aware of how this could positively or negatively affect an athlete if they don't manage the, the financial relationship correctly? What are you starting to see on the IRS front when it comes to to NIL? Both, And how does that impact the athlete as well as the athletic department?
0: yeah I I honestly think I, I wrote about this I did a, a newsletter a couple of weeks a couple of weeks ago about what my predictions for 2022 were um and you know the one that I got the most feedback on was saying like I think the IRS to be a much bigger force at Nil for, for this year and I think that's for a couple of reasons because it's easy to think oh, it doesn't really matter what the NCAA says they can't really enforce anything those investigations take five years like who cares but they're not the only regulatory body that might care about some of these so from an athlete's perspective I think this is important because particularly in the very early days of NIL, when a lot of schools weren't totally certain what the rules are going to be until like 12 hours before um, something from Indianapolis came out, that maybe not everybody who signed deals in July and early August got W-9s uh, or, or knew mm-hmm. exactly what they needed to report. And then they are going to have to sit down and, and do their taxes. And, and, and I, I imagine we're going to see some tweets about people getting letters because they didn't report either, even relatively small things. Um, right. And you know, cynically, it's easier for the IRS to go after somebody who owes 900 bucks than it is for somebody who goes over, owes 900,000. So you really have to be careful. I, I got dinged on this when I was 21 uh, when I was working as a contractor somewhere. I didn't, you know, I didn't know any better and ended up having to pay a really big bill uh, later in my twenties. So I, I think that's an issue. And so, and, and I would recommend to every athlete, if you were planning on making more than 500 bucks doing this, get a CPA, right. report, report everything. And, and especially cause you might be doing deals with somebody outside your state there's a lot of things that I wouldn't trust Google on this. Like leave it to a reporter, <laughs> um, and, and I, tr- trust me as a reporter who's been <laughs> an independent contractor for a while. You don't want to mess with this stuff. Right. The, the other issue I think would be with potentially some of these collectives that we, Indiana has one of these, and Florida and Texas, and a few other ones, where a, a third party entity might might pitch itself as a as a nonprofit that seeks to distribute nil money uh, through charitable causes. This is what the horns with heart thing is with Texas. I imagine there might be some other ones. And I've talked to, I'm writing about this soon. I've talked to a couple of professors who study nonprofit accounting who have said, I'm not certain that the IRS is going to be okay with with some of these things or or, or, or that that will view name image lengths oriented enterprise as charitable rather than just paying for goods and services. Um, If it turns out that that is the case, that would be a concern, I think, for a Power Five athletic department because one of the reasons. You are able to ask people for big checks for your big projects because that's, that's tax deductible. And if you are uh, a, a booster, and suddenly you have a way that you can give money directly to an athlete and enjoy the same tax protection that you would if you gave to a volleyball facility, that could be a, a school could lose money from, from donations. Um, you know, whereas right now, if you have to give money to the athlete and it has to be through your business, and then you write that off on a different tax level and there's a different paperwork thing. I I don't think you're really competing for the same amount of money. So that that's also something to to monitor here for the, the Williams and the Western Florida's of the world. I think they're going to be fine for the Oregon States of the world. Like that could potentially be an issue because there you're going to miss three. If you, if your donation pool is $2 million short, like that becomes a big deal. Right. Right.
1: Just whatever young journalist wants to focus on, what you dreamed about, talking to professors about nonprofit accounting. I got into this, Matt. Why you got into so. this? I,
0: I, it's, it's. I've made that joke a couple of times, right? But, but like, but that—that's the the whole purpose right. of this publication is you got to dig it really into the weeds. I didn't think I was going to need to write about epidemiology. I got a C minus in biology, right? right? I, I became a journalist in part because I was bad at math and wasn't great at physical sciences what has been the major stories? It's been accounting, taxes, and contagious diseases. But
1: that's that's what we got to do. You're you're talking to a communications major, so I I hear you, my friend. (laughs) uh, So last thing, uh, real quickly, we talked about, we're looking back a year. You mentioned some predictions you did for 2020. Can you jump ahead five years and make at least one or two predictions about what, where are we seeing NIL, both at the small and large college level, um, what's gone right? What's gone wrong? Um, so that we can replay this in January of 2027, or someone's listening to a replay of this. Um, you're on the spot. What What do you give, give me some ideas about where Where does all this end up going? I, I actually I think I'm most
0: bullish about the growth of name image likeness, completely independent of, of influencer marketing. The majority of the deals that we're talking about now are through an athlete promoting something on social media. And part of that is because that's what the marketplaces are focused on as the lowest barrier to entry. Um, but those aren't the only things, right? And whether you're at a small school or a big school, what every single athlete has, no matter how good you are, you're an expert at playing your sport. And there hasn't been a tech solution or a logistical solution, I think, to scaling, monetizing that experience there's a lot of high schools all at AAU clubs and private clubs all over the country that would really benefit from having college athletes come in and help run clinics. I, I I'm here in Chicago. Um, and, uh, where we don't have as many swimming pools and we don't have, uh, as many uh, tennis pros and we don't and a lot of Olympic sport information is lacking. Like my local high school here would absolutely pay for that. Or a, mm-hmm. a third party would pay for you to, for someone to come in and, and teach kids on the north side, west side of Chicago, how to play volleyball. And that's something that, across the board, I think athletes can benefit from. Um, and I think there's there's more continued growth about their ability to monetize things that are independent of their identity as athletes. Uh, we, we've seen this a little bit with athletes experimenting uh, as, as musicians, but, uh, or I think there's a few people that are selling art. I think that will, will continue to grow, whether that's in speaking arrangements, whether that's in, in, in teaching classes and in, in, in other subject matters. Um, the tech and the infrastructure hasn't met up with that yet. And I think whoever figures that out is going to make a lot of money and help a bunch of a bunch of other athletes make a lot of money too.
1: And that's how we wrapped up the conversation with Matt Brown from Extra Points at Matt Brown EP on Twitter. Fantastic follow if you are a college coach. And look, the big takeaway I want you to leave with is that no matter what level you are at, how or if you are using any aspects of NIL uh, in your department yet. Uh, on your team, this is something that's going to impact college athletics for a long time. It's going to be continuing to change the way that athletes make their choices and whether or not they stay in programs. Everything that got talked about in the in the episode today, it's going to impact you. The reason I wanted to bring this up and, and share it with you is because I want you, if you're listening to this podcast, to be one of the smart coaches in the know that is acting ahead of time, that is setting the tone that is out in front of everybody else that's a competitor of yours, and not just simply reacting to something when it happens. And NIL is definitely one of these sea changes in college athletics that's going to keep changing, keep evolving, and I just wanted to make sure that you were on the forefront of that. So thanks for listening. Uh, We invite you to go to uh, Extra Points with Matt Brown. We'll link to that. Like I said, if you follow him on Twitter, you'll get all of his articles that he puts out. The other thing that I want to encourage you to do is look into the resources that we offer coaches at DanTutor.com, uh, free and otherwise. There's a lot of free resources, a lot of low-cost options for learning, becoming a smarter recruiter, uh, looking by topic. Maybe there's an area of weakness for you. Go to the blog and look up over a 1,000 different articles by by uh, name and topic. And uh, it's, it's such a great resource that we love providing for college coaches And we know many of you have already been there, but we gain new listeners all the time. So we want to make sure that we direct them over there as well. So if that's you, check it out. Uh, Also look into the NCRC summer conference that's coming up, as well as uh, the way that we can work with you as a client. All sorts of good stuff that will positively impact your program. But for right now, that's going to wrap it up. We'll be back with more here on the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast uh, soon with a new episode. So look for that. And in the meantime, go out, be a great recruiter, recruit intelligently, and keep listening. Thanks, Coach. Have a great
0: The College Recruiting Weekly Podcast is a production of Tutor Collegiate Strategies. For more information on everything we provide college coaches, athletic directors, and the rest of your campus, visit dantudor.com. Thanks for listening, Coach.